and welcome to today's edition of Tabernacle Today, a podcast maintained by the Tabernacle located in Danville, Virginia. The following lesson is by Dr. Danny Campbell, senior pastor at the Tabernacle, and was recorded during our Wednesday evening Bible study. Additional information about the Tabernacle can be found at our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by the Word of God today. Turn in your Bibles as we join Dr. Danny for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Well, folks, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll read there from just a moment. But first, let me tell you about the second or third century, all the way back in the second or third century after Christ, a Roman official named Diognetius asked a colleague if he could help him understand what are these Christians all about. So the man sat down and described what he knew to be true of the Christians under his authority. What are these Christians all about? Well, on the back of your notes, uh, I've given you uh, the fifth chapter of that letter. And here's what the man wrote to Diognetius, trying to help him understand that Christians could be among his best citizens if he would let them. Here's what he wrote. Christians are not distinguished from other men by country, language, nor by the customs which they observe. They do not inhabit cities of their own, use a particular way of speaking, nor lead a life marked out by any curiosity. The course of conduct they follow has not been devised by the speculation and deliberation of inquisitive men. They do not, like some, proclaim themselves the advocates of merely human doctrines. Instead, they inhabit both Greek and barbarian cities, however things have fallen to each of them. And it is while following the customs of the natives in clothing, food, and the rest of ordinary life that they display to us their wonderful and admittedly striking way of life. I'm going to pause for just a moment. Notice he said they don't dress differently. They don't really eat differently. Uh, They follow the ordinary customs of each land they live in. But within the life of the nation, uh, they exhibit certain things. So here's what he goes on to say. They live in their own countries, but they do so as those who are just passing through. Don't you love the old hymn, This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. As citizens, this is back to the letter, they participate in everything with others, yet they endure everything as if they were foreigners. Every foreign land is like their homeland to them, and every land of their birth is like a land of strangers. Mm. Reminds me of Paul saying we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador lives in a nation that's not his own and wants to be a blessing to that nation, but at the same time follows a set of rules that uh, come from his homeland. Heaven is our homeland we're passing through. Here's continuing on in the letter. The man wrote to Diognetius, They marry like everyone else, and they have children, but they do not destroy their offspring. These Christians won't abort their children, was what he was saying. They share a common table, but not a common bed. They, they honor their marriage vows. They don't uh, have loose morals related to marriage like so many of the Romans did, and all the adultery and fornication and other sins that were happening uh, among the Romans. They exist in the flesh, back to the letter, but they do not live by the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they're citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, all the while surpassing the laws by their lives. That makes me think of Jesus' command to go the extra mile. You know, Roman law said that a soldier could conscript somebody to go uh, one mile with them. 
but Jesus said, go the second mile. So what he's saying, when asked to do something unpleasant by governing officials, uh, do more than they ask. And the, it's in that second mile that the Roman soldier will say, hey, why are you doing this cheerfully? Why are you doing this respectfully? Why are you doing this courteously? And that was when they'd have the opportunity to share the gospel. So he wrote to them, they obey the prescribed laws all the while surpassing the laws by their lives. Back to the letter. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet they make many rich. They lack everything, yet they overflow in everything. They are dishonored, and yet in their very dishonor they are glorified. They are spoken ill of, and yet are justified. They are reviled, but they bless. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if raised from the dead. They are assailed by the Jews as barbarians. They are persecuted by the Greeks, yet those who hate them are unable to give any reason for their hatred. To sum it all up in one word, what the soul is in the body, that is what Christians are in the world. That's what the man wrote to Dionysius. And I love that because he basically says, look, they'll be your best citizens if you let them. They're not going to disobey their God. So you need to know that. You can't ask them to worship Caesar uh, in, or the Roman gods instead of their God. They're not going to do it. As, uh, it wouldn't be prudent. Uh, and uh, as George H.W. Bush used to say, not going to do it wouldn't be prudent. They're not going to worship the Roman gods or uh, the emperor as God. And so if you ask them to do that, they'll have to say no. And if you perceive that to be bad citizenship, well, then you'll lose all the other things they'll offer as those who want to serve their God by serving their countries and acting in their country's best interests, all the while being left alone to freely worship their God. And uh, so tremendous words from the second, uh, third century there. Um, these words would have pleased the Apostle Peter because today we'll see Peter actually called for those very things as he wrote to Christians a century earlier. Peter wrote to dispersed Christians and reminded them of their new birth that, they had, that had given them a living hope, a testable faith, uh, an unseen love, and an inexpressible joy. Their love for God was to overflow in their sense of being set apart for His purposes. We use the word holy for that, and we looked at that last time. He built on that by telling us what God is looking for from His people. A holy people will love one another like the Lord loved them. A holy people will respond to the truth of God's Word. A holy people will be characterized by intercessory prayer and a holy people will be characterized by acts of service. So, Peter said, you're to be resident aliens wherever you live, influencing others as ambassadors for Christ. That's the language Paul used, but Peter basically said the same thing, resident aliens, representing Christ. And in these next three passages, he's going to apply their call to their life as citizens, their life in the workplaces, and their life at home. And so we're going to start out by looking at his words to them as citizens. First Peter chapter 2 verses 13 through 17. Peter writes, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors as to those who are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Honor all, worship one. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the call on each and every Christian to be among their country's best citizens, 
to honor everyone they come in contact with because everyone's created in the image and likeness of God. And we also know that everyone was the object of your saving death on the cross, Lord, and any sinner who turns to you can be born again. So people have double value. They are created in your image and likeness, and you died to redeem all who would respond in faith and repentance, all who would turn to you for salvation. And Lord, help us when we see people to see them, uh, even though that image of God has been marred by the sin nature in our lives and the lives of others, help us to love those who you've created. Help us to love those you died for. And Lord, when they become believers, help us to be known for loving the brotherhood, for being a family of love with you as our head, Jesus, and as those who honor the authorities that you put in our lives, God. Help us to submit appropriately to every human institution for the Lord's sake, for your glory in the Lord, and uh, God, to uh, win um, as in every way we can. Uh, to honor the position even when we can't honor the person or even if we don't, we don't like the person. Help us to love even when we don't like, I guess is what I'm saying. Lord, we love you. Guide us as we look at this text. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, in verses 13 through 15 of this text, we're, we're, we see here that Christians are called to be among their nation's best citizens. There's your word for the fill in the blank. Citizens. He says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So God's Word tells believers to submit to the authority structures God has allowed to be placed in their lives. And He does that by first placing you uh, uh, in the family with your parents, whether it's a single parent or two parents there, uh, mom and a stepdad, dad and a stepmom. He puts you in homes to honor that authority, to learn how to honor that authority. And then the same happens when you go to school, when you play for coaches, when you interact with others in society, there's police, and when you go on to workplaces, we are to submit to the appropriate authorities in our lives. Um, he says, do it for the Lord's sake. The word for submit means to order oneself according to a given relationship. It's a military term, meaning to arrange oneself under the commander. Relationships need ordering, and in every area of life, there is a God-given order. Here's what H.A. Ironside said. All human government manifests imperfection, but without its restraint, society would be shipwrecked and anarchy would prevail. In principle, all constituted authority is intended to prevent crime and encourage honesty and good living. So, in all human relationships, you are either the authority or you're in others, in others' relationships, you're a peer, uh, under, you're together under authority or you are the one that is the authority, or you're under the authority. Um, and so I think about the different hats I wear. I've been a child to my parents. I've been a parent to my children. Um, I am in a mutual submitted relationship with my wife Elizabeth, and we're told that because in a society of two you need a tie-breaking vote, that I'm the authority, I'm the husband, the head of the home. Uh, I have um, been a church member. I'm the pastor of a church. I have been a player on a team. I've been a captain among my peers with certain on-field responsibilities and players submitting to me. Uh, I have been under a coach. I have been the coach of a team. Uh, I have been a worker. I've been the boss. Um, in each and every area of life, I've been one who, uh, another example, I have been a student in the classroom. I've been the teacher of classrooms. And uh, so, you know, there's different levels of authority there. And Adrian Rogers said it well, you will never be over what God wants you over until you are 
uh, under what God wants you under. So he says, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, submit to him, or as to the governors that the sent out by God to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now, when he says supreme authority, we obviously know that means the supreme earthly authority because leaders themselves have to submit to God and will give an account to God. And so in Ephesians, when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, it's very important that he gave those words in the Lord. Uh, because there are times, I don't know about you guys, but there's been times when both my mom and my dad asked me to do something that my faith would not allow, and I had to say no, because uh, as much as I wanted to honor them and do what they say, after I became a believer, I didn't do a terribly good job of it before, but after I became a believer, I said, no, no, I can't do that because I'm under God and not just under you. And I think one of them, maybe uh, somewhere in there, actually said, well, what about obey your parents? And it's like, and I said, in the Lord. And so, for instance, I was home from college and uh, dad wanted to do some drinking with me or whatever. It's a Christian college. I'm not supposed to drink, didn't want to drink. Uh, had been a teenage alcoholic, didn't want to keep doing that. And uh, now that I was saved, I didn't do that. And um, he said, well, hey, nobody will know there at the college. And I said, well, I'll know, Dad, and the Lord will know. And so as much as I wanted to honor him and I love him, I needed to uh, do what God says instead of him in that situation. And I think he grew to respect that. Um, so we want to note how careful Peter is with his words. He's already made God the ultimate authority by, by saying, submit for the Lord's sake. Uh, don't submit for Nero's sake. Uh, you love Nero, you honor him, but uh, Nero has an unstable leader and we need to submit for the Lord's sake. And it's the same as the phrase, in the Lord. Um, uh, and then he says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I like uh, the letter of Diognetius. That was what it was all about. They aren't going to worship you or Caesar, Diognetius, but they will do everything they can to help you if you let them. Don't ask them to disobey God. If you do, they'll do what God says instead of what you demand. Christians should ever be asking, how can I help with the issues and problems in this culture? How can we help? And so early on, Christians realized that lepers were often overlooked in ministry and help and the meeting of their needs. And so they said, hey, we'll go out in the name of Christ for the Lord's sake and we will meet the needs of lepers. When there were plagues and bodies needed burying, um, they would do it. Uh, they, everybody else was running away. They ran in and helped. Um, I believe that Christians are called to lead the way out of the pandemic now. Uh, it's, people are going to be very reluctant to get back out among uh, uh, crowds again. And as we uh, you know, take what we've learned during this time of COVID-19, uh, we will go out again into our churches. We will go out again uh, into our communities. Uh, when the teachers are called back to school, Christian teachers will say, hey, we can do it. I'll lead the way. Um, when there's reluctance to take the vaccine, we can lead the way in that. And I know there's lots of uh, theories and, and uh, uh, people talking about not taking the vaccine. Um, but for the most part, Christians have been among, the, among those in history who have said, hey, we know government could possibly misuse this. And we know that in the end times, government will absolutely use this, misuse this. Um, but this is a good for our society. So I'll stand in line. I'll get my shot and go back out into the world and do good. Christians led the way in education, uh, not just of education in general, but also among the first to educate girls when girls wouldn't be educated, among the first to educate people of other ethnic ethnicities when they were overlooked. Uh, so education, the world's first universities uh, came from Christians. Ninety-five of the first hundred colleges and universities in America were put there by Christians. 
Think about orphan care and foster care. Christians should lead the way. Disaster relief, again, going in and helping and meeting urgent needs. Titus 3.14 says, Paul told Tim, uh, Titus, teach our people to uh, maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Uh, you know, that said, there is a time for civil disobedience. Peter himself said we must obey God rather than men when he was ordered not to share the gospel of Jesus. Think about uh, John Bunyan when he was arrested for preaching against the Church of England ways as a Baptist type guy. The magistrate said to him, hey, if I release you tomorrow, will you promise not to preach? John Bunyan said, if you release me today, I'll preach tomorrow. And he spent the next 12 years in prison. Christians have a way of making lemonade out of lemons, though, because in prison, John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress that has blessed the world like no other book except the Bible in the years since those 1600 days when he wrote it. The year 1600 and uh, 60 somethings when he wrote it, and it was published in the 70s and has blessed the world. Um, the Hebrew midwives back in Exodus refused to kill babies when ordered to by Pharaoh. Daniel's friends didn't bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Uh, and Christians find a way to meet. Uh, you know, we, we helped our society by going cyber online for a while with COVID, uh, but we want to meet, we want to gather together. We want to uh, worship the Lord, study His Word, and we want to strategize uh, how best to go out into the world and meet needs. Um, I think about John the Baptist, how he told Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herod thought he was the law. John the Baptist reminded him he would one day stand in judgment for God. And, of course, John the Baptist was beheaded for that courageous act of preaching. In Ezekiel, we're told that we are to be like watchmen on the wall. If watchmen see trouble coming and don't say anything, when the city burns, they will also have to give an account for not warning the people. They need to relieve the burden. If you warn the people and they don't act on that and the city burns, then uh, everyone still has the consequences of their sin, their slumber, uh, but the watchmen uh, will be rewarded for sounding the warning by those who uh, appreciate the advance notice. And um, uh, we are to be like watchmen on the wall. Virginia was chartered over 400 years ago. Originally, the Church of England was the only official church, and others were told not to preach. Do you know that in the early days of Virginia, 45 Baptist preachers spent time in prison for preaching Jesus when told not to? That was the right kind of civil disobedience, and it led to the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, guaranteeing our freedom of religion, our freedom of speech, our freedom of assembly, and praise God for those cherished liberties. And we still want to use them today in a day where they're increasingly being encroached on and attacked and uh, tr uh, tried to be, trying to be denied in different ways. We want to stand up for those things even while we uh, honor all the authority we can. Well, listen to this quote from Andreas, a 7th century monk. He said, We're called to submit to them for the Lord's sake because he himself said, Render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But if they command something which is not God's will, we must not obey them. So there are times obedience to God will mean defying ungodly laws, but the default setting for believers should be to be their country's best citizens, to be second mile, extra mile kind of people, citizens. Well, the word for silence is the word muzzle. Critics start to criticize our faith. They see the good things we do and they say, I got nothing. <laughs> so thankful for God's pit crew um, is just one example of the ways uh, to uh, you know, Jesus said, let your light shine before men. They see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. 
and I had a chance this past week to go over to God's Pit Crew, see the great things they're doing there, and just another Christian organization joining churches, uh, an arm of the local church through as a parachurch ministry, doing great things and silencing those who say uh, the church doesn't help. Among other things, goodness, uh, the, the God's Pit Crew, in addition to going after tornadoes and hurricanes and disasters and going back later and building houses, um, they also provide food to over 60 food pantries in our area. So a little church might have a food pantry. They're getting their stuff from God's Pit Crew. There's big, even big organizations um, might, uh, and they do, get a, a lot of food and things from God's Pit Crew as part of what they give out, um, which is very neat. 60 different organizations. First Peter calls believers to keep the main thing the main thing, making disciples who make disciples, ministering to others in word and deed. Here's a quote from the African Bible Commentary. The aim is to bear witness and to avoid giving grounds for accusations that Christianity is subversive. And I think about a paranoid country like China now who attacks their Christians in their midst and persecutes them, North Korea the same way. Oh, if they would just let Christians uh, practice what they know to uh, from these verses in Peter, they would be among, and they are among their uh, citizens' best, country's best citizens anyway, in prayer, in good deeds, and other ways of helping, but they're not going to do what a godless nation uh, demands in worshiping the emperor or the chairman of the party uh, or whatever else. Um, they are going to only worship God. And, uh, but I think from verse 16, let's keep on moving on here. Christians are secure enough to serve their fellow man. Verse 16 says, as free, as free men, but not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. So your real master is God. And then many that Peter wrote to were literal slaves and demeaned by things that were kind of like India's caste system or the Middle Ages class system or some of the uh, unfortunate past Jim Crow type laws we had in America and stuff like that, you know, and actual slavery until it was abolished in, in throughout the world. And of course, it's reared its ugly head. There's more slavery today around the world than there was in the days of the British slave trade, which is just staggering to think about in the year 2021, how that is true, but it is. Uh, your real master is God, and what dignity that gave uh, to those who had been enslaved and were now in churches, some of them with their masters, uh, and a new day had come. And uh, so here Peter demolishes distinctions men make to keep others down and undignified. And the gospel does that. Galatians 3.28 says, In Christ Jesus there is neither male nor female, slave nor free, uh, Greek nor Jew, all are one in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, you know, you might uh, be the uh, boss, but you're no better than the, your employee, even though you make a lot more money than they do. Um, uh, you know, and it's just what a beautiful teaching. And so, uh, you know, Paul and Peter and the apostles join arms in, uh, and voices, raise up their voices to say words that really would mean the end of slavery around the world where it's applied. And it did just that, you know, in many places. Yes, some uh, foolish uh, sl uh, slave owners tried to use some selectively look at Bible verses and uh, reinforce the idea of slavery. Um, but the scriptures as a whole certainly uh, just demolish uh, that argument. Uh, Philemon was written for Paul to advocate uh, the release of a slave. Um, he was using his leverage to do that. Um, in, to the Corinthians, many of them were slaves. He said, if you can get your freedom, do it. 
uh, and the dignity of that he put in there was revolutionary. So, uh, Romans did not think of, they thought of their wives as inferior, they thought of their servants as inferior, and the gospel just demolished all that, as the gospel has a way of doing, demolished the distinctions, uh, the evil distinctions that men make about people's worth. And I love that about uh, the gospel, I love that about Jesus, and it is so cool. And Peter, um, you know, oftentimes is chided, uh, Paul too, for talking about submission. Um, and yet when you uh, look at what he wrote, nobody before Peter wrote that, um, we're going to see it in one of the next chapters, uh, that husbands should be considerate to their wives and should, even though they're weaker physically, uh, not in any other way, he says you're co-heirs of the grace of life, um, but um, you're weaker physically, but he said those revolutionary words, nothing like it had ever been said, that husbands should lovingly be considerate and thoughtful toward their wives. That changes everything. And his words about the slave did too. Well, when George Whitfield was preaching such truths in the 1700s, uh, it was very interesting. A noble woman heard Whitfield preaching, and here's what she said. How monstrous it is to be told one has a heart as sinful as the common wretches. It's so much at variance with high rank and good breeding. And uh, Whitfield undoubtedly went on to preach to her that uh, uh, there will be a lot of people of high rank and good breeding in hell because they thought they were better than others. They thought they did not have a sin problem and they did not own their sin problem and turn to the only source of salvation from our sin problem, the Lord Jesus. The cross unites us all. The foot of the cross unites us all as sinners in need of that sacrifice, and we cannot judge anybody else. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul writes, from now on, we don't regard anyone from an earthly point of view. In other words, he's saying they're saved and lost, and the lost can be saved if they'll turn to Christ. They can be a new creation in Christ simply by turning to him. A slave of God has no other ultimate master. He or she is under some temporal authorities, but his or her real master is God. Uh, people often miss when uh, Paul talks about submitting wives submitting to their husbands. That's Ephesians 5.22. The verse before that says that we're to submit to one another in the fear of Christ. So we're all submitted to God, and then submission doesn't mean husbands dominating their wives. It doesn't mean bosses dominating their workers. Uh, there's order there, you know. If there's 11, when I was on the field as a uh, soccer player, there was 11 players on the field. I was the captain, and when a decision needed to be made on the field, the others were to submit to me, even as we all submitted to the coach. Um, in uh, marriage, though, it's an even number, and uh, two people will have a 1-1 tie about what we should do. And in Elizabeth and I's marriage over the years, uh, all our wonderful years of marriage now, there have been a handful of times where I thought we should do one thing, and she thought we should do another, and a decision needed to be made. And submission didn't need to come into play when we both agreed what we should do, but in the times we did not, she would look at me and she'd say, okay, you're the husband, and you're the tie-breaking vote, basically. I submit to you on this. And of those times, about half the times I got it right, about half the times I got it wrong, to her credit, she's never held it against me when I got it wrong. Uh, such is the burden of leadership and uh, the burden of submission. And uh, it can be a beautiful thing when you love one another and together are submitted to the ultimate authority, Christ. 
Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, Ephesians 5.21 says. Wearsby says, A true Christian can submit himself or herself to authority because he is first of all submitted to Christ. I think about how beautiful it is that how Jesus, uh, when he washed the disciples' feet in John 13, he was secure enough in his relationship with the Father to wash his disciples' feet, which was supposed to be done by the lesser for the greater. I mean, you can see that room, can't you? Uh, they had walked on dirty Roman roads in their sandals. Uh, when you went into an establishment, there was supposed to be a servant at the door washing your feet so you could cleanly approach the table and not get dirt from the road near the table that you would sit at and eat at. They, they were lowered, right? And you'd recline at the table. And uh, no doubt the disciples were criticizing the uh, service at the uh, upper room that they were in. Well, how come the servants didn't do that? Jesus heard them saying that, and he did what had not been done by a servant. It shocked the disciples. They said, no, no, Lord, we should wash your feet, because they were used to this pecking order type treatment, the higher, the lower, the hierarchies, and things like that. And Jesus, of course, modeled and brought into existence the idea of servant leadership, where the greater would serve the lesser. And so he was secure enough in his relationship with the Lord, in the mission that he had on earth, in that he had taught everything he was supposed to teach, that he took the servant's role and served them there. Uh, I love Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28 says something very similar. So beautiful when you think about it. Uh, but he says here, not using your liberty as a cloak for evil. Sometimes people use civil disobedience as a cover for sinful actions. Don't do that yourself and don't join others doing that. Pay your taxes, drive the speed limit, do jury duty, speak the truth in love, but don't call the president or governor or mayor or congressman an idiot. Uh, again, Peter imagines Christians being their country's best citizens. Uh, let's look at what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4. He writes, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he says, hey, give thanks for the positions of your leaders. Give thanks for order uh, in, in government. Uh, and the police forces. Um, give thanks and pray for them. Uh, and he specifically says that God wants people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so that guides us, doesn't it? Um, when I pray for the president or Congress people or the governor or state legislature folks, the mayor, city council, others, I pray if they're not saved, they'll become saved. And if they're deficient in knowledge of the truth, that they'll come to know the knowledge of the truth. Sometimes I pray uh, for those that are pro-choice and pro-abortion and believe killing babies is okay in the womb. I, I pray that they'll come to the knowledge of the truth in that, that God will give them some sleepless nights, that he'll have them come across ultrasound technology and other things so they'll know without a shadow of doubt it's a life that should be protected. It's part of the leader's responsibility to protect the most vulnerable, as Proverbs 30 says, uh, the, the Queen Mother's prayer request for her son Lemuel, her, who was a prince, was that he would um, give voice to the voiceless, that he would defend for their rights. And what greater right is there than the right to life, starting with conception? And um, 
Baptists have led the way over the centuries in calling for and practicing religious liberty, not only for ourselves but for others. We have been the victims of persecution. We don't want to be persecutors. As far as I know, Baptists have not been persecutors. We've annoyed people with what we've preached, but we haven't um, been coercive like the Catholic Church has and like other churches have when they were the state church. Uh, we have often been the victims of such things, and we advocate for religious liberty. We want to, uh, we want our Muslim friends to have religious liberty. We want to convince them that Jesus is Lord, and they need to turn to Him for salvation. Uh, but uh, we want to, uh, we want them to be uh, free to practice their religion. I think about Rohingya Muslims being persecuted in Burma. It's a terrible thing. I think about uh, the Uyghur Muslims being persecuted by the Chinese government. It's a terrible thing. I think of our Jewish friends, often persecuted wherever they are. It's a horrible thing, an offense to God who loves his dear people and um, his chosen people, the Jews. And, um, you know, we want to be advocates of religious liberty for all, even as we try to convince with our words. Uh, and so, among, historically, Baptists have been among the leaders in talking about religious liberty, protecting the religious liberty of others, and our advocacy for such things actually helped their become a First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution guaranteeing freedom of assembly, speech, and religion, and not to have our tax money taken and given to um, the state governments to support a state church. And thank God there is no state church in America or in uh, its states. Um, we want to persuade others to accept Christ with words of Scripture, not the weapons of the state. Well, verse 17 brings us home. Christians honor all people, but they only worship God. That's why the title of the message is Honor All, But Worship One. He says, Honor all people. Love this verse. You ought to memorize it. Verse 17, 1 Peter 2, 17. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king or the emperor. Well, these verses change the history of the world, especially the West. Through the centuries, not only did Christians read these verses, but so did the leaders of their nations. I love how verse 17 says to honor the emperor, but only after it says to honor all men and fear God. You honor all people. The emperor is a people, so you honor the emperor and his role as the emperor. Um, I love how in America, we the people are the king. We don't have a king. Uh, we have a president. We have a congress. We have a courts. Um, we the people are the king, but we're all submitted to the Lord, and it's him alone that we fear. And so our rights come from God, not from government. And so government should protect the rights of the individual citizen. And these words are huge. The one you fear and worship is God, no earthly authority. Um, honor is something due all, including the emperor. Honor the position, even when you don't like the actions and words of the person in the position. That's why I was very clear as a, a political administration changed. I would hate that any member of our church would say foolishly, that's not my president the previous guy was, or the guy before that. Uh, that's foolish talk for believers. We honor the position even when we don't like the person and their policies that are in the position. And so we pray. We uh, do the best we can to help uh, you know, uh, the, the prosperity of our cities, our states, our country. So we honor all people. It's rooted in their creation by God, the image of God and all people, the Imago Deo, it's called. I love how back in the 1200s, the Magna Carta said that rulers are accountable to God and also in a very real sense, accountable to the people. Uh, many of this world's authorities think they are better than the people they lead. Here, honor is to be given to all because all are created in God's image and because Jesus' saving work can be received by all repentant sinners. 
The words themselves, humble, all talk of someone being intrinsically better than others, the so-called great man of the philosophers. Well, the only great man is the God-man, Jesus Christ. The rest of us are sinners that need salvation, sinners that need instruction, uh, people that need God's God-given order. Um, uh, so all are created by God, all are sinners before God, all need to turn to Christ for salvation. The people an emperor leads aren't to be his pawns. He's called to lead them and accountable to God for how he does. And I can't say enough how, whether it's uh, the American government, the Chinese government, a Muslim government, uh, uh, everyone who leads will be given account to God for how they led, uh, and there will be terrible repercussions for infringing on the God-given rights of people uh, and practicing such vile things as uh, allowing such vile things as anti-Semitism, uh, uh, crackdowns on religious liberty, uh, and free expression. Um, you know, uh, God, uh, the, the, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Uh, he who uh, has greater uh, uh, roles, has greater responsibility, and will have a stricter judgment, and people need to know that. The world's leaders and anyone who leads anything needs to know they'll give an account for how they led that thing for God's glory or not. Many of the world's authorities want to be feared and even worshipped. Here Peter says to honor the king's God-given role, but only to worship God himself. I wish uh, that these words would get to Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, who wants to be worshipped, and yet he needs to realize he's a sinner before God or needs to turn to Christ for salvation. And sir, you will have to give an account for your persecution of the dear uh, brothers and sisters in Christ of mine who you persecute and throw into prison simply for believing, possessing a Bible. If you would let them, they would be your best citizens. They will not do you harm. They would pray for you. They would help you and your country. But they cannot worship you. They will honor you, but they cannot worship you. They can only worship Jesus. They can only worship their dear God. Didymus the Blind of Alexandria, Egypt, who lived in the 300s, died in 398 AD. He said, the fear of God must come first and govern all the rest. Matthew 10 Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I love how William Tyndale, when he was dying, prayed, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. And not too long after that prayer, after his martyrdom, after he was killed for the faith, uh, there was a more godly King of England who preserved rights instead of killing the Christian martyrs. Folks, where the gospel has taken root in willing hearts, this has changed everything. Tyranny and oppression have given way to freedom and a new value for life and a nation's best days. That was certainly true in America's founding and much of our history. But beware, America, when a nation turns its back on God, tyranny and oppression come back like weeds in a garden. Freedoms are lost, life is devalued, people follow ways that seem right to them, but in the end lead to death. Instead, what a prescription we have in 1 Peter 2.17. We're called to honor everyone. Christians are called to love the brotherhood, fear God. Instead, we dishonor everyone, love stuff more than people, and reject God. I hope you'll recommit today to honoring all, but only worshiping one, the Lord Jesus, your dear God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 5G living is good to talk about here. Christian, do everything you do for the glory of God, that's the first G, for the good of your fellow man, whether or not they ever believe, 
Uh, that's true in your work. That's true as you coach things. That's true as you educate students. For the glory of God, for the good of your fellow man, even those who will never believe. To get the gospel to non-believers. We do everything we do so we can get the good news of Jesus Christ's death for sinners to everyone. Do everything you do for the growth of your fellow believers in Christ. To help love the brotherhood and help them grow. And do everything you do with a grateful heart to the God who created you, the God who saved you. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Tabernacle Today. To learn more about The Tabernacle, please visit our website at www.thetabernaclefamily.org. There you may access additional Tabernacle Today podcasts as well as other resources. If you don't have a church home or happen to be visiting the area, we'd love to welcome you to one of our weekly services. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you back for another edition of Tabernacle Today. Tabernacle Today.